Yes, you are, God. You are worthy of all our praise and adoration. You are worthy of everything we can give and so much more. We're here today, God, to lift you up, to praise you, to tell you how good you are because you are risen from the dead. Not even the grave could hold you down, Jesus, and we give you praise today. Lord, we love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Welcome to Anderson Hills, friends. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and just so excited to get to share God's word with you today as we celebrate Easter. We celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. Now, I heard a story about a guy, he was a pastor of a small church in England, a little ways outside of London, uh, kind of a little bit of a rural area, but a nicer area. And they called him vicars over there, okay? So the vicar was a very faithful man. In fact, when people would move into the community, he would go out and he would visit them, uh, get to know them a little bit, uh, try to build a relationship, invite them to church, right? Well, once there was a, a home, a nicer home in the area that had sold, and the vicar went out to visit the new occupant there, and he knocks on the door, young man answers and invites him in. They enjoy some time together. The young man introduces himself. His name's Eric, and they talk for a while. And uh, the vicar looks over, and he sees in the corner, he sees a, a really nice vintage guitar sitting there. And he says, oh, do you, Eric, do you play? He says, well, yeah, I, I like to play guitar. He said, well, that's, that's great. You know, at, at our church, we're always looking for good musicians, right? It's like any good pastor. He's always recruiting, right, you know? And he's like, we could use you sometime. In, in, in fact, if I was to, say, drop off some sheet music, would you be willing to, to practice it for a few weeks and to come and uh, maybe play at our church? And Eric thinks, said, well, yeah, I, I think I could do that sometime. So the vicar does that, drops it off, gives him the music, gives him a date a few weeks out so he'll have enough time to learn it. That, that morning comes, and, and Eric arrives at the church with his guitar. Um, the pastor noticed, though, the vicar noticed that he had forgotten his sheet music, though, and the vicar was kind of worried about this. I mean, here we got someone we never heard before, didn't even bring his music, I don't know. So he goes and he talks with the worship director, and he says, I don't know. I don't know if this is okay. Would you come and check this guy out, see if he's, you know, I don't want him to embarrass me here during the service. And they're walking back to the sanctuary and they begin to hear the most beautiful rendition of Amazing Grace that you could possibly imagine being played on his guitar. And they walk in the door, and, and the vicar is so happy, and, and the worship leader looks up, and his jaw hits the floor, and he says, Vicar, you gave sheet music to Eric Clapton. <laughs> you told him to practice. What is wrong with you? pastors, right? You know, I love that story. I love everything about that story except just one thing. It's a total lie. <laughs> Dang it. I want it to be true too, right? But a number of newspapers picked up on this story and circulated it. You can find it in Snopes. It, Clapton, the vicar, none of them have ever verified that this thing happened. But today, Today I want to tell you another story about another couple of people who were in the presence of greatness and they didn't even know it. They didn't even know it, except this time, I promise you, the story is true. 
It's a true story. Luke 24, verse 13. This takes place on the very first Easter, uh, but the folks in the story don't yet know everything that we know, okay? That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and was walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Oh, this is good, right? They're walking along, they're walking with Jesus, they don't even know who they're walking with, right? They just know that they're walking, and this walking with this guy. Now, I, I have a mentor of mine who I heard uh, preaching on the same text, and he brought something out that I think is important for us to know. He said that Luke actually is, he leaves out an important detail about Jesus, and that is that Jesus was known for having a twinkle in his eye. So I'm going to help you today put in maybe where Luke missed in places, kind of where those twinkles are, okay, because you need to see him here. Jesus, he asked them, Why, what are, or, excuse me, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along, twinkle? They stopped short. Sadness written across their face. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened these past few days. What things? Jesus asked. Twinkle. The things that happened to Jesus. The man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. All this happened three days ago. But then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb this morning And they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body is gone, just as the women had said. Now, it's easy for us today to go ahead, to run ahead of the story, and to insert the punchline of of Easter, right? And say, yes, he is risen. He is risen indeed, right? Like, we know, we want to tell you guys, it's not just his body's missing, but, but he's actually alive. He's right there with you. But they don't know this. All they know is a mystery, maybe, maybe even an awful crime, where not only has Jesus been tortured and killed, but his body's been stolen. Wasn't it enough to crucify him? Why do they have to take his body, too? We don't know what's going on at this point in the story. When the women went to the tomb that first Easter, it's important to remember that they didn't go looking for a resurrection, okay? They didn't go saying, you know, Jesus said some weird stuff about three days and tombs and all this stuff. Maybe, just maybe he's alive. Nope. They went for one reason, to finish burying his body. You see, on Good Friday... It had been a rush because Jesus died late in the afternoon, and the Sabbath day was coming. In fact, he's the Passover here. It's a very special weekend, and you can't do work on that day. So quickly, he had been put placed into a tomb, but not properly buried. They had procedures around this. So the women come back with the spices and whatnot to appropriately embalm Jesus. They weren't coming 
They weren't coming expecting a resurrection. And this is one of the most incredible things about Easter, is that the resurrection took everybody by surprise. Even though it had been predicted by Jesus, it took everyone by surprise. Because Good Friday was so horrific that our hopes, our dreams had been, had been that they all fall apart, really. Been dashed against the rocks. Imagine what it was like to be a follower of Jesus then. I mean, you had started off and you had so much, so much hope right? So much excitement because the people in those days, the Jews, they were looking for a Messiah to come, someone who would come and would, would save them from their sins, not, or excuse me, save them from the Romans. Jesus was coming to save them from their sins, but they were looking for something different, someone who was going to save them from the Romans, the oppressors. And so they, they met Jesus, and there was something about him. When he talked, he had just this charisma about him, and it was so exciting to hear him. Like a little bit of hope, right? A little bit of hope in a world that's pretty dark. And then they, as they traveled around with them and they watched, they, he did miracles, right? The blind could see. The deaf could hear. So many incredible things Jesus did, Right? Remember that day when everybody was with him and he was teaching and they were all hungry, right? There was over 5,000 of them and he takes one lunch and he feeds them all, right? You don't forget that kind of thing. That's exciting. And then as it goes on, Jesus is, uh, he visits where this friend Lazarus had died. He'd been in the tomb for four days. Four days, the guy's been dead. And what's Jesus do? He goes up to the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. And he does. He does. A dead man walks right out of the tomb. Are you kidding me? If, if you can raise the dead, then what can't you do? I mean, we've got hope. This, this Jesus, he really could be the one who's going to save us all from these Romans, who's going to lead us in victory. And then Sunday came, and he rode into the city on a donkey, and the crowds were so excited and cheering, and we just couldn't believe he's here. Now he's going to throw off these Romans. We're finally going to be free. Everything we've hoped for and dreamed for, it's finally here. And then... Friday, Friday, and it's all gone. Where's the hope? I thought he was real. I thought he was the Messiah. And he hangs there on a Roman cross, crucified, dead, and buried. The Jews at the time were so desperate for a Messiah, so desperate to be saved from these Romans that there had actually been within a hundred years of Jesus, there had been at least 15 documented false messiahs, guys who would come along and say, I am the one, follow me. We're going we're to go out and we're going we're to overthrow these Romans. Well, it never ends well for false messiahs. You know, they tend to, <laughs> tend to die violently. And so if you had been a follower of a false messiah and somehow survived that revolution, you really had two options. You either would 
you'd either say, oh, hey, new twist in the story. That wasn't actually the Messiah. One of us is, right? I'm, I'm actually the Messiah. He was just the setup guy, right? So you take one of his followers or his brother or something like that and say, this is the real Messiah and try it all again, right? Or you went home, tail between your legs, embarrassed because you had fallen for it. Yep. You were one of those guys. You were the one that your neighbors would look at and shake their head. The one with the tinfoil hat, right? Where's his tinfoil hat at here? He's a crazy one. All hopes have been dashed, and we're left here embarrassed. We put our trust in Jesus, and it just seems like he let us down. Have you been there before? Maybe... Maybe you prayed and prayed and prayed for something and you didn't get the answer you were looking for. Maybe you look around and you see other people healed and you're not. You wonder, is this real? Is this God even out there? Sometimes you pray, it feels like your prayer is like hitting the ceiling and bouncing back. Maybe you prayed for your kids, but they're still doing dumb stuff. Maybe you prayed for your parents, but they're still doing dumb stuff. Maybe whatever it is, pain, disappointment, hurt, we know this, we feel it, we, we understand a little bit what it was like to be on the journey that day. And if that's you, my friend, join the crowd. Every single follower of Jesus goes through this from time to time. We do. We do. And life can be really hard. We trust in God, and yet life is still hard. And here's why. We are an Easter people who live in a Good Friday world. Okay? We are an Easter people with hope of resurrection, and yet we live here in this world where sin is still very real and very prevalent. My sin, your sin, the sins of others. So we have, as Easter people, we have a hope Yet we deal with the pains and the difficulties of the Good Friday world. And it's really easy to get overwhelmed by that. It's easy to forget the good news. It's easy to fall into the myth that Easter is one day a year, not a 365-day reality. But that's not how the story works, you see. Jesus is victorious over death. Long before Jesus' resurrection, Solomon put it this way. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its time. He has placed eternity in the human heart. I love that. Eternity in the human heart. The people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So we don't fully get it. But we have this hope, this belief, this trust that there's something more. There's got to be something more than just this world. This world can feel so unjust, so painful, so difficult. Today we celebrate Easter in peace with beautiful flowers and great music and art while on the other side of the world in the Ukraine, people fear for their lives. They lose 
children. Innocent people killed and their bodies cremated to hide the war crimes. We're an Easter people living in a Good Friday world. And we ask God, where are you? Where are you in the midst of all this? And maybe you, you've come here today and you say, I, I don't even know that I believe in this God stuff. I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure. I, I came here because it's tradition or I came here because somebody kind of dragged me along and I wanted to, you know, wanted to do what they wanted me to do. And that's all good. I'm just, I'm thankful that you're here because the fact that we're here today is an opportunity for God's grace to work in our lives. I don't believe that it's an accident that you're here. I believe that God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, has brought you, is calling you into a relationship with him. And hear me, it's not a relationship that just makes all the pains of the world just poof, go away. No, no, no. As followers of Jesus, we live here as well. We walk among these pains. We give generously to help out those who are in Ukraine. We pray for the end of the suffering. We're part of it too. But we have a hope. We have a hope that is different than we'd ever have without the reality of Easter. You see, without the reality of Easter, you look at situations like this horrible war and it is nothing but a horrible tragedy. Because if, all, if this life is all you get, so many lives cut short and there's nothing. There's nothing. But in Easter, we have a hope that even the worst things, even death itself, is not victorious. That even the grave cannot win Because Jesus himself gave his life, paid the price for sin, so we can have eternal life. That God has all of eternity to right the wrongs of this earth. That God has all of eternity to restore that that which is broken. That God himself wipes every tear from our eyes. That God himself walks with every hurting heart. And that that's not just a future reality. No, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You can be in the worst of situations in this life, and I'm right here with you. I'm here with you in the storm. I'm here with you in the mess. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. That's our God. His presence is here with us. I, I just need to pause for a minute and just pray. Holy Spirit, would you just would you meet us here? Would you come? We want more of you, Lord. More in our lives. More in our church. We're not satisfied with the way that things are, God. We want more of your presence. Would you give us more? We trust. We trust in you, God. Amen. I, I have this hope. I have this belief that a Jewish man... 2,000 years ago, died, was buried, and rose from the dead. He actually rose from the dead on the third day. 
Look at how Jesus explains it to the Emmaus Road guys. Uh, Remember that they had no hope because their Messiah had been crucified. They still don't know who they're talking to, right? They're like the vicar and Eric Clapton. They don't know what's going on yet. And Jesus says this, verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Twinkle. Then Jesus took them through the writings of, the pro- of Moses and all the prophets, explaining to them all, from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus takes them on this Bible study. Now this has to be fun, right? You're on like seven-mile hike with Jesus, and he's like, let me tell you, here's the scriptures you've been studying all your life. Let me tell you, here's how they were fulfilled in this Jesus guy, right? And so he goes through all of them. One by one by one. Here, we got a list of just uh, eight of them, right? You know, there's, this is eight out of like 90, right? They're incredibly specific, right? They're not just like general, like, he'll be a nice guy. He'll tell some good stories. Yeah, well, the probability is pretty high on that. Not so much on these kind of details. And so he takes them and he shows how this Jesus actually fulfills all this. Now, imagine if you're those guys at that moment. You're saying, okay. That's all good and fine and cute, but he's dead, and we're not saved. Don't you think that disqualifies you from being the Messiah? Kind of failed. He's like 15 other guys. He's number 16 who said he's got a solution and is dead. But you know, what if he's not? What if he's not? What if he is who he says he is? It's, what what if he is really alive? What if it's true? What What if in the midst of this Good Friday world, that Good Friday doesn't prevail, that truly we have hope of Easter Sunday. Jesus continues, verse 28. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took bread and blessed it. Get this. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. You know, there's something about the way this guy handles a loaf of bread, don't you think? (laughs) He breaks the bread and there it is. Now we see the nail-pierced hands. Now I hear that familiar voice that brought me comfort so many times, that challenged me, that called me out, but I always knew he loved me. Now I see those, those eyes looking at me that I will never forget the first time I looked into those eyes and the hope and the joy and the peace that I felt. Now I see the hope that he's not dead. He is risen, just as he said. That, that the grave couldn't hold him. That death couldn't stop him. Know that he is alive. He's risen from the dead. Oh, this is so good. I have so many questions. Where, where, where possibly do I start? Let me think here. And at that moment, he disappeared. 
oh, nuts. That's not what I wanted to hear. We've got a lot to talk about, Jesus, right? But he's got to go on. He's got to appear to other people. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on the way back to Jerusalem, right? They walked seven miles. They're going to hike back another seven miles. They already told us it was late. They found the other 11 disciples and the others who gathered with them. And those disciples said, the Lord is really risen. He appeared to Peter. And they're like, we know. He appeared to us. We just ate with him, right? He did that bread thing again, you know? He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And I ask you this today. It's the most important question you'll ever be asked. Are you living the resurrected life? Or are you still stuck in Good Friday? In your life today? Does Jesus' resurrection make a difference for you. It begins by giving our lives to him, by saying, Jesus, I trust that you are victorious, not over the Romans. That's not what you came for. You came to be victorious over sin and the grave, that when you went to that cross, you took my sins, that which was separating me from my God. You took my sins, and you paid the price I could never pay. You gave freely. And so instead of trying to work my way into heaven, because I can't do that, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to trust in you. I believe that you are risen from the dead. That's the first step of stepping into this new reality. But it's not just something where we make that decision and then we wait to die. No, no, no. That's like the start of this exciting, life-changing relationship with Jesus where as I journey more and more along the road with him, he leads me to become more and more like him. He fills me with the power of his Holy Spirit. He changes my heart. He helps me to have hope and joy and peace, a peace that is greater than I could even understand, a peace that's greater than all the problems of this world. And so I trust in him, and I give myself to him. I'm going to pray in a minute, and you could, you could pray right along with me. Maybe you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. I want you to, to, to consider giving your life to him. There's no better choice. And why not today, on the day we celebrate that he's alive? Or maybe you've made that decision, but you say, you know, I've, honestly, I've been living more in Good Friday than I have on Easter Sunday, and I need that hope and that joy and that peace. I'm going to pray that you would receive that in a new and powerful way. So would you close your eyes with me? And as we begin, as we prepare to pray, I want you to envision yourself walking on the road with Jesus that day. Hearing him, seeing him, understanding that he is who he says that he is. And I want you to listen for his voice. What might he have to say to you? So come, Holy Spirit, speak to us, lead us, guide us. We want to know you. God, I pray for the one here today who says, I don't even know this, Jesus. May today be the one day where they say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. I'm sorry for all of my sins, and I just need you to pay the price 
that I could never pay. I'm trusting in you. Would you come into my life and make me more like you? Thank you, Jesus, that you do that, that you've just done that. And Lord, I pray for for those who are maybe stuck in Good Friday. The pains of this world have been overwhelming to us. We're not sure if there's reason for hope. God, would you give us reason for hope by your power? Would you fill us with your hope, the hope of resurrection, the hope that we need not fear anything because you can conquer death? What could people do to us? The hope that you can and will use us because that's how you work in this world. The hope that you have changed everything because you are alive. God, we give you thanks and we give you praise. We're so thankful for this hope that is only found in you, Jesus. We thank you that you are victorious over the grave. And God, we just want to worship you now, our risen King. Lord, we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.